I'm not talking about politics. I never talk about politics here. Listen, uh, spiritual issues that the government has taken over, that's not politics. They done got in on my business. So, So what I'm talking to you about is spiritual issues that the politics have tried to encroach upon and tell you that wrong is right and right is wrong. It's time for the preachers to stand up and say, wait a minute, hold Time out! I'm Terry Knight and the pastor here at New Life Community Church. And I thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I trust that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. Finally, we have arrived at part four of this series that we've been teaching you for weeks now. It's one that we've entitled The Spirit of Elijah. I really believe this message is from the Lord and it is very important that you get a hold of the concepts that we're talking about here. Now, it, very close to the uh, beginning of this, this particular segment of the teaching, we're going to express to you that when people choose to displace God, whether they do that on purpose or by default, then evil ensues. And beloved, that's where our country is right now. That's where our, our culture is right now. And by displace, I mean that God is here and the people have either purposefully or somewhat by default, they've allowed for God to be pushed aside, pushed out. One of the primary ways where that happens is people allow the Word of God, the Bible, to be pushed out. It's very important that you understand this because the ramifications are terrible for anybody and everybody that engages such. Our text passage is uh, 1 Kings around chapter 17. I'm going to read you just a little bit of that and we're going to jump right on into the teaching uh, without uh, me doing an an additional teaching during the intro. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter, uh, actually chapter 18 is what I want to read right now. Just a couple of verses. And the Word of God puts it this way. Chapter 18, the middle to the latter part of the verse says this. The Word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now understand, the Word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, the king. Look at verse 2. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now go down to verse 17 with me. This is very important, and this is what we're really going to bounce off of in this particular teaching. Verse 17, when he, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? You understand, Elijah was God's spokesperson. Elijah was bringing a word from God, and when the king saw him, he called him a troublemaker. (laughs) Does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like what we're up against today? Those who bring the Word of God or a word from God, they are viewed as a troublemaker. I trust you'll take courage from this teaching and that you will realize the significance of it. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for each and every one 
that's turned on this telecast with me right now, by whatever means, whether it's by Facebook, YouTube, whatever the case, I pray that your word, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I pray that it would resonate in our spirits. And Lord, I pray that men and women and boys and girls would be drawn to your word and convinced by your spirit that your word is right and true and that we need to purpose to live by it, to absorb it into our life and allow it to change us and that we might reflect that before the community, those that we influence. We'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, listen, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while. Please keep your Bibles handy, and it's over toward the end of the message where we really start getting into some Scripture. But listen carefully and listen attentively with me about these things that we're teaching in this particular segment. God bless. Let me just uh, summarize parts one, two, and three kind of catch you up to where we are and uh, that won't take very long I trust but you stick with me we'll cover a couple of study notes and we'll be in some new material before you can say Jiminy Cricket. By this series we focused on several Old Testament personalities not the least of which is Ahab and Jezebel the king and queen at that time the king and queen of Israel and then one of God's prophets, a spokesperson, a messenger of God by the name of Elijah. We've explored the fact, now this is really important, watch this, we've explored the fact that Jezebel was a daughter of a priest. And before you say, whoa, that's a good thing, this was a priest of Baal, a cult, for a lack of a better way of saying it, contemporarily. And therefore, I believe as a consequence of that, Jezebel herself was a worshiper of Baal. Everybody say, ooh, that's not a good thing. That, in fact, contributed to the fall of her husband, Ahab, into such vile worship. Now watch this. I'm just going to say this in passing and keep rolling. It was Ahab's fault that that happened. He was to blame, not her. He should have tightened the, uh, the rope around his robe just a little bit tighter and put forth that he and his household were going to serve the Lord, that he was going to be. He was the spiritual leader in the home, but he needed to be the spiritual leader under the authority of God Almighty, not under Baal. All righty? Number one on your study notes. Together, this diabolical duo diverted the devotion of God's people away from the one true God. How many true gods are there? One true God. And he turned them toward Baalism and all that entails. Now, I did not go on purpose. I did not go into much regarding the gory details of Baal worship. But suffice it to say, a lot of it, a lot of what transpired through Baal worship has reappeared in various and sundry forms in our own day. Should that concern you? Say yes. Look at your neighbor and say yes. Make sure they said yes. If they don't, raise your hand and point them out. Well, no, I'm just kidding. So Patsy didn't say yes. Okay, you're going to get stoned right after the service. That's just what we do here. No. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Don't get lost 
in these examples, see them for what they are. I do not believe that I am taking excessive liberties to liken the modern atrocity of abortion. Now listen, I'm not directing that at an individual. I'm talking about the whole deal. The modern atrocity of abortion, I'm not, I don't think I'm taking really excessive liberties when I compare that to the hideous bell ritual of placing infant children onto a burning altar in order to appease some made-up trinket. Okay? They did so, they did so under the demonic delusion of worship. Can you imagine that being an act of your worship and in your heart and your mind you think that you're doing the right thing toward God or humanity by taking a little infant child and placing it on a burning furnace? And can you imagine the screams and the hideousness of that act and to be under the delusion that you are worshiping? Now listen, today that same demonic delusion comes forth as a sacrifice, quote unquote, of convenience. It would appear, according to many, to be more convenient to destroy a precious preborn baby than to deal with the consequences of birthing that child and rearing that child. I still cannot wrap my mind around that thinking. But I said that to say this, Many, not all, but many, and one is too many, but many of the leaders of our nation right now, I'm talking about the United States of America, right now are mimicking the same tolerant behavior as we realize from these ancient malefactors. Listen to this. I'm being a little sketchy here on purpose, just trying to get through this. Those that pass or turn their heads as others pass laws to allow for such are as guilty as the ones wielding the scalpel. Somebody needed to hear that. By the way, so are those that unscrupulously vote for such ones to to take office, that make those laws. Okay? I've reminded you over the past few weeks that any and all of this is repugnant to God. Amen. It's repugnant. Headed to number two on your study notes. Beloved, beginning with the very notion of looking elsewhere for something to worship. And we've shared with you that man is created to worship and you will worship. If you're not worshiping yourself, you're going to worship something else. God's purpose and design is that you worship him. But this said, this starts a, a downward spiral when you, the very notion of looking elsewhere for something to worship other than the creator God who created you. Number two on your study notes, I think it is, when one attempts to displace God either by design or default. I've made up my mind, I've, I've considered the variables, and I'm going to displace God. That's by design or by default. Watch this. Do, 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 do. Don't have a clue what's going on. I'll leave that for I'm not getting involved in politics. Listen, as an American, you're already involved in politics, whether you want to be or not. It's government by the, for the, oh, you know the thing. 
Whether it's by design or by default, beloved, evil ensues. Let me just kind of try to, to land this summary. We shared with you over the last couple of weeks that the majority of persons in our country are indeed tolerating the Jezebel spirit. It doesn't make me happy to have to tell you that. In fact, it grieves me to no end. And here's a question I put before you the last couple of weeks. What, if anything, should we do about this? And how do we do it? By God's design, Elijah would confront Ahab and Jezebel over their idolatry or their engagement with Baal. In other words, Elijah did not tolerate it. He didn't tolerate it. He didn't forgive it. He didn't sweep it under the rug. And we said to you last week, in the days when a culture is reflective of the likes of Ahab and Jezebel, then that behooves the people of God, the born-again, spirit-filled people of God, to be more reflective of the likes of Elijah. I'll agree with Jonathan Kahn, who said, quote, the mindset of the faithful must change, end quote. For us, Jesus chasers, and I love that concept, for us to survive and thrive spiritually in 2021 and beyond, we are going to have to embrace an Elijah spirit. What I mean by that is the spirit or the attitude of Elijah. And we'll tell you more about that in just a moment, but I want you to hang on to that. So Pastor Terry, what does this look like for God's people today to embrace an Elijah spirit? First of all, check this out. This is not on your study notes, but it probably should have been. You need to resolve that the day is now. The time is now when belonging to the family of faith, the faith family, the ecclesia, you're in a time when, when belonging to the faith family is going to put you at odds with some of your family. It's going to put you at odds with some of your neighbors. It'll put you at odds with some of your friends and some of your associates. How so, Pastor Terry? Just, just what is it that will put us at odds with them? Simply this. This is number three on your study notes. Simply defending the truth of the Word of God. For some of you, you're like myself. It's hard for you to wrap your mind around that. I grew up with this Word. It was in our home. My mom would read it at bedtime to us. I would hear it at Sunday school Sunday morning. I'd hear it at preaching on Sunday morning. I'd hear it at preaching on Sunday evening. I'd hear it at preaching on Wednesday night. And I'd hear it at preaching any other time that uh, my daddy could figure out that we was going to go hang out to church for a little while. It's the Word of God, and it's true. And I have no problem accepting that. And it kind of blows my mind that defending the, the Word of God isn't going to get me in trouble with anybody. But that time is now. I'm not just speaking in the future, and I want you to catch that. And, and I tell you, I am praying. I don't know if this is going to come out or not, but I am praying that God would sober my thinking and sober my delivery a little bit more. You know that I have a screw loose. I love to laugh and talk and joke and all that kind of good stuff. But listen, the time for joking about some of this stuff is over. I want you to understand 
when one exchanges the truth of God for a lie, in effect, that one embraces the sentiment that right is now wrong and wrong is now right. Don't lose that. You need to understand that right is now wrong and wrong is now right. Now, heretofore, you've had to look for this. In fact, you might hear Pastor Terry talking every now and then. You're scratching your head like, what in the world is that dude talking about? He's lost it. Heretofore, you've had to, to look for what I'm talking about, but now it's looking at you. It's here. Let me give you another over-the-top illustration of what I'm trying to say, hopefully to help you understand what I'm trying to say. Now, let me set this up. Don't get lost in this. You, some of you are going to think I'm talking about politics this morning. I'm not talking about politics. I never talk about politics here. Listen, uh, spiritual issues that the government has taken over, that's not politics. They done got in on my business. So, so what I'm talking to you about is spiritual issues that the politics have tried to encroach upon and tell you that wrong is right and right is wrong. It's time for the preachers to stand up and say, wait a minute, hold, time out. It's not political. So when I mention our president, you're probably going to think I'm getting political. But our president has nominated a top-level cabinet position has nominated to a top-level cabinet position a person claiming to be a transgender. Now, watch this. This term is on purpose hidden today in this little acronym that you're probably more familiar with, L-G-B-T-Q. You familiar with that? T, the T part is transgender. Well, what in the world does that mean? I guarantee you, if I'd poll you here this morning, have you write it down, you define that for me. If there's 150 people here, I'd get 152 different definitions. And certainly that's true out in the community. In fact, I have those conversations with folks quite often. They throw words out to me that they don't have a clue what they mean, and I call them on it just to see. And you know what they usually say? Don't know what to say. <laughs> what does that mean, transgender? Let me run through this real quick. It, trust me, it does not uh, do me any good. I, I just hate this, even having to spend this time, but it's important. Everyone, say everyone. That would include you. Tell your neighbor that includes them. Everyone has a birth assigned sex. Either you are a male or a female. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Now, don't get crazy with it. Just, just a good Methodist amen would have been all right right there. You finally shout me down when I don't want you to, okay? Watch this. Sex refers to the biological differences between males and females. Did you know that? Male female. There's no room, there's no place for additions or hybrid modifications. Stay with me. What it means to be male or female originates 
from physical characteristics derived from sex chromosomes and genes. That gets real complicated. I'm not going there basically because I'm not complicated. That's sex. Gender, on the other hand, refers to, watch this, the psychosocial attitudes and expectations that people have about members of both sexes. Therefore, you are probably somewhat familiar with Dr. Gray's book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And in that book, he describes those gender differences in many respects. Let me just throw this in parenthetically. I'm not talking so much this morning about personality and temperament, but I'm talking in generalities. I hope you understand that. Also, uh, Dr. Emerson Edrich, and if you've taken my, I've been through my premarital uh, uh, counseling sessions, I've recommended this to you. The book's titled Love and Respect. He outlines the differences, many of the gender differences between women and men. And finally, men hear it and see it and read it and are like, wow, women are different than us <laughs> in ways that I never envisioned. Recently, gender holds broader meaning for some with dynamic as opposed to static cultural concepts of masculinity and femininity coming into play. The transgender phenomenon would argue that persons can be sexually male or female, really difficult to argue with that, yet that those persons embrace an inward identity that expresses a lifestyle just the opposite of their birth assigned sex. Are you tracking with me? Now, listen, I've distilled a whole lot of reading into just a few moments here. Now, I said all that to say this. Here's the first problem with all of that. I haven't found one scintilla of evidence for any such thing in the Bible, the Word of God. You understand a scintilla is pretty small. I haven't found any, any evidence of such a thing at all. In fact, watch this, just the opposite is true. Just the opposite. That's my point. The pursuers of God are not going to be accepting of this phenomenon because it is not a truth that aligns itself with God's word. And yet, the President of the United States nominates such one. Hmm. The President's nominee's birth-assigned sex and gender was male. I'm going to say he, for very good reasons, came into this world as Mr. Levine, Jewish. That's interesting, isn't it? Thus, as a male, Mr. Levine married a female. You'll be hard-pressed to find evidence of this, but if you do a little digging, you'll find out what I'm telling you is true. Her name was Martha. After fathering two children as a male with Martha, they divorced.
Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. There's just a little bit more to this particular segment, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you next week. Before I do, let me just say this. Now, as time moves on, we're going to run into this. And when I say we, I'm talking about the church, the forever family of God. There are going to be more and more people that are accepting of this, the Word of God, the Bible, as the Word of God. Less and less people accepting of this. So you're going to be confronted by family members, not only the community, those outside the church, but even family members who are not going to be accepting of God's truth. How are you going to handle that? Now, some of you have been battling with that for a number of years. Your family is just resistant to the Word. And I'm talking about your extended family is resistant to the Word of God. They're not accepting of the Word of God. And you have to battle that day in and day out. How do you do that? Well, that's what we're talking about and why I'm encouraging you to, uh, to take on, to pray about the spirit of Elijah. Now, I'm not talking about you becoming a prophet. That's up to God whether you are a prophet or not. I'm not talking about you being prophetic necessarily, but taking on this attitude or this spirit of Elijah where you're willing to confront those who contradict the word. Confront those. Now, they're going to call you a troublemaker, but in actuality, they are the troublemakers. Are you ready for that time? Are you ready for uh, what it takes to be able to stand in the face of opposition and be faithful to the things of God, faithful to the Word of God? That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you. Father, I thank you again for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray that you would grant to us, Lord, courage and strength and wisdom and patience and passion and compassion as we deal with those day by day by day who contradict or refuse to accept your word as the truth or those who portray that that which is not true is true. Help us, Lord, in the power of the Spirit to live our lives in such a way that they might see our good works and glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, it's very, very important for you to be connected to a, a church family during this time. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that look at the church today, and this is part of this equation. They look at the church and say, hey, I don't need that bunch of people. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, some of them are, and that makes for difficulty. That's not who I'm encouraging you to connect with. I'm encouraging you to connect with the church that is revealed in the Bible, the Word of God. Those who've been born again, spirit-filled, they're the real deal. Oh, they're human. They make mistakes because people do people things, but they're pulling together to encourage one another to be about God's business. Find you a place like that and settle in where the Word of God is taught and preached and lived and encouraged, you're going to need it in the coming days. New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Note that oddball starting time. Also, midweek activities Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Hey, we have something on Wednesday night. We call it Family Ministries Night, something for every member of the family, and that just might include you. I'm going to have to get out of here. I am Terry Knighton, the pastor of New Life Community Church. Thank you so much for being a part of my life for these few moments each week. Tell your friends about us. Be encouraged to subscribe to our channel if you're looking at this online. And please, 
pray for us that God would continue to grant us the strength, the wisdom, the courage to bring forth His Word in the face of opposition. God bless you. Have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?